Good morning, golfers, and welcome to On Par with Anthony Scorcia. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Saturday morning, May 15th, 2021. Looking forward to talking with Jamie Slowness this morning. Uh, Jamie's a, is a friend, and I always enjoy talking about the game of golf with him, uh, given his u- unique position in the game. Uh, Jamie's worked for an OEM. He's a competitive amateur who recently was the medalist at his local Mid-Am qualifier and as part of the Illegal Club, he spent plenty of time around the game with hacks like me. So uh, his perspective is um, wide-ranged, if you will, um, and is unique uh, in the game of golf. Uh, but first, a short message from our sponsors. We'll be back in 90 seconds. You're listening to On Par with Anthony Scorcia. Pete's Golf. Since 1979, Pete's Golf has been practicing the art of club fitting and has been selected as a top 100 club fitter by Golf Digest magazine. At Pete's Golf, we use the best technology available to create an exceptional fitting experience for every customer that walks into our store. Visit Pete'sGolf.com or call 516-248-6891. That's 516-248-6891 and get your next set of clubs fit for you. Golf course superintendents are the unsung heroes of our great game. Due to the game's efforts, we now have turf that needs less water, courses that are more sustainable, with many now offering natural wildlife habitats. From the days of old Tom Morris, golf course superintendents have given golfers a reason to love this great game. But don't take my word for it. Jack Nicholas agrees. If you love golf like I do, thank a golf course superintendent. A message from the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America and local superintendents everywhere. Hey everyone, this is Chris Fochelle with Mizuno. There's no better feeling than having your clubs perfectly dialed in, and with over 2,000 authorized performance fitting partners nationwide, it couldn't be any easier to get custom fit using Mizuno's revolutionary Shaft Optimizer 3D. Find the right shaft and match it with any of our legendary grain flow forgings or our award-winning hot metal irons featuring high-strength chromoly. Visit Mizuno. All right, and we're back, and I'm pleased to be joined by Jamie Slowness, the regional director of Illegal Golf Club, Philadelphia region. Jamie, how you doing, man? I'm good, Anthony. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, I really uh, been meaning to talk with you, and, and been looking forward to having you on the show um, for a number of a, a number of reasons. Just because of who you are as a person, who you have been in in the golf industry, and the unique positions that you've had, but um, and also because I think. You're one of the good guys in, in the game of golf and I have been fortunate enough to, to know. Um, but before we get to you, uh, or before we get to that, I do want to talk about your little uh, mid-am qualifier, a little four-under, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to, to move on to uh, the, the mid-am championship. Am I, uh, do I have my yes, information uh, right? You do have your, uh, your information correct. Yeah, for the uh, Golf Association of uh, Philadelphia, our mid-am had a qualifier, not this past Monday to Monday prior and mm-hmm. somehow put it all together for one day and shot uh, four under 68 to, to lead the qualifier. So that, that was a fun day. That's awesome. And was it just one of those days like when you're out on the golf course, I mean, where you just kind of sense it, where things are kind of going your way, or did you feel like you, you know, a, a four under doesn't seem like you were you're grinding too much or, or not, not too many no. uh, hardworking par fours no, it or was, anything like that? No, it was one of those days where it, it started off really good from, from the first hole. I knocked it down the fairway and had a sandwich in, almost made it. I, I had a tap in. Um, oh, geez. Almost made two on the first hole and then went to the second hole as a par five and knocked another wedge in there like three feet, made that. I'm like, ooh, this is this could be a fun day. And, um, 
actually three putted the next hole like an idiot from 20 feet. <laughs> yeah, back then, to reality. But a couple Hello. holes later, yeah, back to reality. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and then uh, regrouped and like two holes later, knocked another wedge in like three feet, made that, knocked it on a par five and two, two putted for a birdie. And then, you know, I was three under through seven holes. And, you know, it's a qualifier. Those qualifiers can be, you know, they can be nerve wracking because you're just trying to shoot a number. Usually it's, you know, 75, 76, somewhere in that ballpark to get mm-hmm. you in the, the tournament. And then to start off, you know, strong that day, it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about the cut line. Now I can just kind of cruise and right, just try right. to make some pars. So I did, did a lot of that on the back nine. I think I made eight pars and in a birdie. So it was, it was a stress-free day, which was few and far between in golf, as you know. You know that's a that's a good point, and uh, I wasn't thinking about the uh, cut line as in terms of uh, it being a little bit over par because you know you you're so used to watching you know these other tournaments you know on the professional level with the professional amateurs if you will, and everybody feels yeah. like you know it's so so many guys are, are trying to you know you four under you still might be you know may not be good enough but you you must have felt right. like you didn't have to hang on as much because you made your birdies early so you didn't really feel like yeah. you were uh you were holding on tight for the rest of the round right i mean so many where i've played in a uh, hundred qualifiers for different events and things and right you know usually you kind of know what it's going to take the of the day depending upon the weather and things and i've i've spent way too many uh way too many qualifiers right on the cut line or, or around that fighting and <laughs> sure. scratching and crawling. So it was nice to have a day where I didn't have to bother with it. Yeah. That's uh, like you said, far and few between that. That must've been a fun little, uh, yep. f- fun day. Um, the, speaking of amateur golf, uh, how about the Walker cup? I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. To me, yeah. it looks spectacular. Uh, Seminole looks every bit is uh, what it is billed as, as a fun, quaint almost, but fun yeah. and, and, picturesque and just beautiful golf course i'm sure you have uh, a little more knowledge of it than i do yeah i did have a chance to watch i watched a lot of it just because uh one i love the golf course and two i, I know quite a few guys that are, that are members there and things and and they were in attendance so um i was kind of peeking on the on the tv to see if i could find anybody i knew but right, yeah. i thought the setup and just the golf course itself it, it's fantastic it's very difficult it can play easy depending upon the wind and, mm-hmm. you know, if it's soft or, but usually, you know, it's fast and firm. They get those greens going and it's a typical Donald Ross where, you know, the greens might be big, but they play small because mm-hmm. any shot to the edge just sheds and, you know, you're going to find yourself in a bunker or 50 yards away and, you know, tightly mown area. So right. I thought it, it probably gave those kids fits with the wind coming off the ocean. And then I've, you know, I feel bad for a lot of them. They struggled with that stomach bug that, you know, in a week like that, they're nervous enough. You don't need an extra <laughs> yeah. stomach ailment to, <laughs> to make you feel bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, I love that uh, GB and I was like in it to the end and sort of grinding away. But the, but the golf course just makes the whole event, doesn't it? It does. It I does, mean, especially the way they had it. They had, it was set up perfect. They, you know, they didn't have much rain prior. So they, I know. I'm sure they got it exactly where they wanted to mm-hmm. uh, as far as setup. So it, it, it really shined. You know, it, it was now, nice for people to see it on TV. Yeah, and actually I thought it actually was much more enjoyable when than when the pros played it. Remember the, on that little hit and giggle yes. that they did for TV? Yep. It didn't even seem like the same place to me. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't because it was, I think, it, didn't they get poured on there? It was, it yeah. Was, 
really wet when those guys played. So yeah. it's a totally different golf course when it's when it's dry and like it was. Yeah, and I love that it's so close. Obviously, so close to the ocean. So, like you said, if the wind is up, which it's always going to be, I, I, that must be uh, just a fun place to play at any time or on a, even on a daily basis, just because. Um, the wind conditions uh, change all you know different directions yeah. and at different times and and you can get some days there where I, I mean I, I can't even imagine I mean I've played some golf courses on on the south shore of Long Island and that are very close to the ocean and yep. that are even public but and when you get the wind there whipping it's like it, it's brutal so uh, I can it imagine is, that must be a challenging cool. place. It is. The first time I, I played it, I, um, it was just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I played it in February with a buddy who's a, who's a member, and we were, I mean, I live up here, so yeah. I didn't play all winter. That was my first round of golf for the year. Oh, jeez. It was Seminole on a Sunday morning, and it was blowing 25 miles off the ocean. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a really long day. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Seminole. Yeah, it was very difficult. Yeah, I could imagine. I, you know, it, you know, it's also interesting. I think when you think about those guys, I wonder um, which one of those guys. And I, know, and I don't mean this in in a bad way, but you know, out of those, out of both those teams, what guys can actually make it on who's tour? Gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who, who's going to be the, the 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 player that that has what it takes to make it? And I, I and I guess yep. if we sat down and broke it down, it wouldn't be the guy. Maybe we think it would be, but it's just sort of interesting. Um, to think about. It's an interesting exercise, I yeah. guess. This year, and I, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but it didn't seem like it had sort of your household names that some of the kids that that you knew, maybe, you know, some of them are more well-known than, than I. I haven't followed college golf as right. much as I should have. But right. it seems like in years past, I, I knew more of, the, more of the kids on, at least on the U.S. team. Right. Um, this year seemed like it had a little different or a, kind of a newer crop of, of young guys. You know, obviously, uh, Stuart Hagestad, the, the mid-am, I, I know. But, yeah, sure. Um, some of the names of the younger guys I he wasn't as familiar with. Um, yeah. But it's going to be interesting, you know, those, typically those guys on those teams, uh, you know, there's a handful of them that, that end up on tour pretty soon. So we'll, we'll see. should be It'll be fun to watch. No, that's a that's a good point. It, it was a little bit of a um, you know almost like an unknown. It wasn't a who's who in amateur golf. Um, like you said, I mean, Stewart's been around now. He's a household name. I mean, for people who watch it, uh, Strafacci had just won and banned, so we kind of knew about him. Yep. Fifth Fitzpatrick's you know brother, so you kind of know about yeah. him. You feel like you know him yeah. by default. But you're right. There's not a lot of like you know Pac. You know, not a lot of people know who he is, and so and and a couple yeah. of others. Um, no, it's a good point thinking about that. It was a very, um, I wonder if that made it, you know, that didn't change the, I mean, it didn't make it less enjoyable, uh, but it, you're right. It was an interesting no, point. Not at all. Yeah. And I wasn't, and I wasn't real familiar with the, you know, the GB and I team other than, like you said, Fitzpatrick's brother, but right. I, I was very impressed. Those couple kids from Ireland were really, really good. I yeah. thought, and I thought actually the conditions kind of, you know, I know. You know, on paper they said you know U.S. team was more talented, but I, I thought the conditions with the wind and the firmness and things kind of even things out for mm-hmm. those kids in Europe or, you know, in the U.K. or used probably used to playing in that a heck of a lot more than than our kids were. Uh, I want to I want to shift gears because one of the reasons sure. that I wanted to to have you on the program was not just 
to talk about Illegal, but I, I find um, your position in the game of golf interesting in terms of where you you're at the intersection of a lot of different points and what i mean by that for people who listen mm -hmm. jamie's worked for an oem before previously he is now the regional director in the philly region of Aligo, so he's with amateurs all the time he's also a competitor so you 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 know i would even put you in the in the category of professional amateur and that in that kind of because you've done enough of them you've been established in that ranking and i'm just sort of you know everybody yeah. talks about the health of the game and you've lived in the intersection of the pro game, the the industry in terms yep. of the OEMs and the amateurs, both professional and and hacks like me. So I'm just curious how you see the game of golf as it is right now, the health of it. If you could sure. give us a sort of uh, you know a, a breakdown of what you how you think it is. I think before well before last year, before COVID kind of hit, I I thought the game was was trending up. It seemed like. You know, there was, there was momentum for at least, you know, when I worked for the company I worked for, sales had, you know, been up each year over the previous year by a, by a decent margin. And then when COVID hit, you know, it was horrible for everybody, you know, with the lockdowns and everything, but the golf business boomed. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone suddenly realized, heck, I can go outside and, and do something and I don't have to wear a mask. I can go out and enjoy myself. And it's, it's a game that was you know, it's basically socially distanced just because of what it is. So right. um, we saw record amounts of rounds last year through every club that, that Aligo did business with, Every uh, the couple of clubs I'm a member at. It was very, very busy. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it seemed, I don't think this year is going to be any different. Matter of fact, I was at a, a green meeting last night at Tavistock Country Club here in, in Haddonfield, New Jersey, and our rounds for April – now. Um, our superintendent said uh, we have about the least amount of rain we've had in, in April in the mm -hmm. last past several years. So we had, like, I want to say, like 3,800 rounds in April wow. compared to about a little over 2,000 rounds in like 2019 and 18. Last wow. year we didn't have any because right. Jersey was shut down for COVID. But um, it's it's an incredible boom. So I think golf is in a good place. Um, I know from, you know, the OEM side, some are struggling to, to make stuff fast enough as far as usually turnaround time on custom clubs has been a week to 10 days. This year, it's, it's months. And I, I think it's, you know, just from the supply chain from all over the world seems to be disrupted. So sure. on that side, it's been a little bit more of a challenge. But I think golf and clubs are in, in a great spot right now. People are, I think, joining clubs more than they, they ever have in the past. Um, people realize it's, it's a family game. They can go out with their, their kids and enjoy themselves outdoors. So I, I think it's in a great spot. Do you think, and yeah, and plus with people now, uh, obviously with industries all over the world, reevaluating whether people could actually go to offices and now people working yeah. more from home, they're more available to play golf as opposed to yeah. uh, commuting to the city or wherever, wherever they're going to go to. Yeah, so they have much more free yeah. time. I'm just wondering if the game of golf can finally sort of take advantage of this new position that it that it's in to sort of really focus on the health of the game and keeping people from leaving the game going forward. We always have the 
this sort of revolving door, right? Certain popular, certain segment leaves the game, certain segment joins the game, yep. and it's sort of we stay in this sort of um, you know this sort of uh, revolving door, and then the middle just stays the middle. And and you know everybody talks about growing the game, growing the game, and this sort of and I know it's sexy to say, um, and more yeah. more sexy to say than let's maintain the game. But I just always felt like the go- the the industry of golf, or or I guess the game of golf, and and it's Never like look in the mm-hmm. mirror and say, "What are we?" All right, we're a niche sport, which is going to sort of ebb and flow with the with the economy to some extent, and it's going to lose and it's going to gain. But what can we do? How can we focus our efforts efforts into uh, maintaining the game and making what we do have healthy as opposed to trying to make the pizza pie bigger so more people could capitalize on it, as opposed to making just the yeah. pie that we have better? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and I think it's. It's it's a lot of different factors, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen it from you know at the club level, more kids playing golf now than probably ever. Um, you know when I played, in, you know I'm 52. When I played in high school, I was one of a, a handful of kids that that played golf. Sure, hardly anybody did. And when I go back to some of the reunions, the the one comment I get from a lot of guys that I've seen from high school that didn't play, they're like, God, I wish I would have played golf when when you did. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think I've seen a lot of kids are playing. I've, I've seen more women golfers. I think that's starting to, I think companies, clubs, everyone are starting to embrace that. Cause I mean, I think that's the largest area for growth in the game is, is probably the, you know, the younger players that you want to refresh, you know, as memberships or as, you know, as you said, as, as people go out of the game, we have a great pipeline of, of people entering the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's due to more time. You know, like you said, with, with COVID and things, people have a little bit more time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more, I think there's, there's a lot more access to one like top golf. Right. Um, it, it's gotten people that probably wouldn't have, you know, they're not going to go join a local club, but they'll go, you know, they'll go to top golf, drink a couple beers and have some food and have a good time. And, you know, they do that enough. They're like, wow, I, I, I think I love this game and I'm going to, you know, they'll take it to the next level from there. So right. I, I think that's some of it. And obviously, you know, with the growth in technology with, I think it's easier now than ever to get better at the game mm-hmm. quicker than it's ever been with, you know, with instruction and, you know, all the, the track man and all, you know, all the technology we have, the learning curve, I think is quicker. Now, you know, it's always going to take time for people to learn and practice. And, you know, it's it's not a game that you're going to pick up overnight. But right, sure. I think you can get to, you know, you can get to a decent level to play and have fun quicker now than than you ever could before. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and I think I would love to also see us trim some of the sort of all these these extra programs like you know you look at um okay we got the first tee that's obviously not going to go anywhere there's the um uh i'm having a moment where the uh what was the program out of uh, california where the kids play for five dollars or whatever it is i can't think of the name of it but that seems to be a good a good program where they're basically subsidizing young kids to go play golf Sure. Uh, um, yep. Which is a really good idea. Like those are types of programs where I, I rather, st- you know, instead of having a million different programs, you know, maybe we we funnel and fi- have finances into a co- and obviously girls uh, golf 
uh, as well um, that the LPGA is partnered with. So if you, you find like yep. two or three really good programs that make an impact, then focus on those as opposed to trying, you know, the spaghetti of throwing everything up, up against the wall. Like we right. know there are things that work, right, where we can maintain yeah. and we can track and we can keep these kids in the game, from keep them from leaving the game as opposed to I just think golf sometimes gets in its own way and spreads itself too thin when it comes to growing the game. Uh, in the in the name it of growing the game, yeah, and I think it gets a bad rap sometimes from people that you know outsiders that that don't understand it, and yeah, as well as the people who've kind of been around. I mean, I know that you know there's grow the game initiatives, but you know a lot of people look at golf as stodgy and expensive, and it is in some ways, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you look at your. I mean, I go to a couple of local public ranges when uh, just for convenience sometimes just on a monday when a club is closed and sure they're packed every one of them is packed yeah and it's 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 great to see and you can go do that for go spend an hour or two hours and, and hit balls for 10 bucks and you know some of the public courses and things are very affordable so it it's i think it's a sport you can make you can make your own way in it you can mm-hmm. spend as much or as little as money as you want but I think the opportunities are are there for people that you know sort of entry level to get into the game and and enjoy it you know at their own pace now. Yeah, no, I I agree. And and speaking of opportunities, your work with Illegal Club um, is is it obviously mm-hmm. the timing couldn't be perfect. I mean, I, I not not trying to make uh, yeah. be disrespectful to the uh, pandemic, but I mean the, the 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 bottom line is is golf has benefited from it and. Uh, things like the illegal club or came or you know have uh, uh, from what I've heard around from because obviously you know there's a New York chapter here has been off the charts sure. yep. um, and they've yeah. tried to expand opportunities to play golf on in terms of outings and stuff like that. Are you are you you know yeah. talk a, talk a little bit about how the illegal club is basically exploding at this point? Sure. So so if, if people know illegal, it's we're we're a private. Uh, invitation-only club without a home, but we have access uh, with our partner clubs at a lot of the high-end private courses throughout New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. We have a handful of courses down in Florida and things, but mm-hmm. mostly this kind of tri-state area here here in the States. Um, they're all over UK and Europe as well, but the chapters here in the States, what we did when COVID hit last year, obviously it, it hurt everybody especially in New York, New Jersey area, we were shut down. Right. And people were wondering, you know, when are we going to start playing golf again? So Aligo has basically we have a couple tee times a day at each of our partner clubs. We have about 35, 40 clubs in and around the New York area, about 25 clubs in and around Philadelphia, southern New Jersey, that area. So as, as everything reopened, you know, we were in constant communication with, with all our partner clubs on, on access you know, and we talked about it being so busy, you know, Mm -hmm. we were able to maintain that access. But one smart thing we did last year is right when COVID kind of shut down, a lot of these high-end courses, they lost uh, the majority of their kind of corporate outings or charity outings, things that they typically do and depend on revenue for, Mm -hmm. uh, those sort of Monday days. Um, A lot of those dried up. So having a good relationship with these clubs, we called them right away and said, you know, if you want to replace some of that and you're comfortable doing it, you tell us what day, how many people, and we can fill it with members and guests. So we did, 
we had zero of those events, you know, the year prior. We ended up doing, I believe, 22. Holy cow. Sort of, we call them kind of our guest days, uh, one-day member guest days uh, last year. And we did, uh, we did a couple at Ridgewood, a couple at Plainfield, Somerset Hills. We ended up doing uh, one at the creek out, out of Long Island, Creek Club. Mm-hmm. Um, we did one at Quaker Ridge. Hudson National, Liberty National, Bayonne. So a lot of these top clubs, um, we have we set up basically a, a one-day member guest. Uh, you know, our our members brought their buddies or business partners and entertained clients and things, and they were such a huge hit that we continued that whole series again this year. I think we're going to end up doing about 25 or 30 throughout the year uh, at all the top, you know, a lot of top clubs throughout the New York uh, Philly area. I mean, that's a that's that's some list, and that's just the yeah. Monday outing list. You know, that doesn't even it count is, the yeah. ones you're playing on a regular basis. Right. I mean, that's a that's just. I mean, that's like um, you know an embarrassment of riches, really, when you think about it. Yeah, I think we're even surprised how well they were received. Mm-hmm. Um, but it 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 just allows our members you know, more opportunity. It's, I think it's a huge business opportunity for them to be able to to entertain so sure that's on the corporate side it's been a home run and so we basically we released our member list or our, our uh, event list i'm sorry last when we do it march and i think we released about 20 of the events i would say 15 to 16 of them were sold out within two days oh my god and we've had you know typical and typical outings we'll do during COVID we did tea times instead of a shotgun start so right uh, the majority of them are like you know 8 a.m start and we do tea times up till about two in the afternoon you know every 10 minutes or so so wow. they're well attended and uh we've gotten a, a great response from from our members and guests uh doing these so and the clubs love it because it's it brings them you know revenue for the day so yeah and now, when when everything rebound rebounds, you'll you'll be able to maintain that because those people, those clubs, should remember that you guys were there to help them, we, and so that would yeah, fortify your exactly. relationship going forward. Yep, we and we've already. Matter of fact, I saw an email from from a club today. They were already looking to book us for twenty two. <laughs> um, That's awesome, and it, it's been great. And I we. I think we make it easy on the clubs because our staff runs a lot of this stuff. We do all the check-in. Um, we supply all the members' names, guest names. Uh, we're, we're really well organized. Mm-hmm. And the majority of our members are, as far as golf IQ, you know, they've been around. They, right. they play all sorts of different places. So they know sure. what they're doing. It's not, you know, you get some of these charity outings that, you know, you got guys that play once a year and they're right. out for a day. And, right, right. Um, but, you know, I think the majority of our guys are a little bit more seasoned and, mm-hmm. and so are their guests. So it, it sure. makes it easier on the club. That, that was a comment I got from, from a professional on Long Island. He said it was the easiest, best outing he's been a part of. Right. And uh, he was already looking to, to book us for next year. So That's awesome. We're, um, we're almost yeah, out of time. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Sure. Uh, no, I was, no, no. I was no, just going to ask because um, we only got about a minute left, but I'm just kind of curious. Sure. What is on the? Is there anything on the horizon? Is there anything that you're looking at to make the next step, or are you guys right now just sort of dealing with the sort of explosion of illegal golf and just kind of making your way with that? And, yeah, we are. We're looking to uh, launch um, right now. As you mentioned, there's there's 
two regions, New York, Philadelphia. I think we are looking to launch third quarter of this year, hopefully down in the uh, Washington, D.C., Baltimore area will awesome. be our next uh, next region. And then kind of expand on last year, we introduced a national membership okay. for, for people outside of our regions. If you know, one, if they want to travel into our area to play or uh, to do sort of concierge golf throughout the country, we have a lot of good uh, relationships with people all over. So, yeah, I mean, I Philly we'll, and New York are going to have a lot of that way. Yeah, Philly and New York being uh, some pretty good hubs at, of business, so yeah. you know people are coming in and out all the time. And we're blessed with an embarrassment of riches <laughs> as far as golf courses. Oh, um, I know. It's you know, ridiculous. Maybe Chicago area, maybe, but New York and Philly and New Jersey area, we are, uh, we're very lucky to be where we are f- for golf. No, there's... Uh, there's lots of winning on that side of the uh, on the green side of the golf industry, and when you yes. go up the uh, East Coast, uh, Jamie, it's yep. been a, a, a pleasure to have you on the program. I always enjoy talking to you. I knew it would be a good show. I knew your perspective would be, um, you know, enlightening in, in terms of your uh, the position thanks. that you're in 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 the game of golf. So, thanks for joining me this morning. I really appreciate it, Anthony. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Best of luck to you, and uh, let's get together and tee it up soon. Absolutely. All right, folks, that was Jamie right. Slonis, the uh, regional director of Illegal Golf Club, Philly Region. I'd like to call him a friend, uh, He's, uh, but he's like that kind of guy. You play with, uh, play around with Jamie, and, and you know you've got a friend there uh, right away. So always a pleasure to talk to him, and, and we wish him luck in the mid-am as he's uh, going forward. So that's all you're listening to On Par with Anthony Scorcher. Thank you, folks, and we'll be back next week. Take care.